Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Isn't it great that God is here with us when we gather? Isn't it great as we worship that the Holy Spirit is moving, that God's doing something? Even as we're listening and looking at his word, that the Holy Spirit is at work. And one of the things that he does as he gathers us together and as he meets with us is he goes after our hearts. He wants our allegiance, our loyalty, every bit of our love inside us. He's claiming for himself. God's going after our hearts this morning. And that's the spirit of this preaching series we've been doing. We've been talking about money, but we're not really talking about it as a like spreadsheets and working out kind of practical details to do life better. This is how we use our money as disciples of Jesus. He wants every bit of who we are. That's why we call it where your treasure is. We've been singing about it this morning, haven't we? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. This is a series about the heart. This is something about the inner core of who we are being aligned to God. If you want to know what matters most to you, don't look at what answer you'd give in theory. You can look at, well, what do you spend your time doing? What do you spend your money on? These are the indicators of what matters most. So as we look at our money, what we're saying is everything can be used for him. And we've learned four lessons from the Bible about how we can use our money in a godly way. And the first one, we we learned that less is more. Now, I'm going to do the really cheesy thing this morning. I'm going to make you say it out loud just to reinforce it, okay? So everyone, say with me, less is more. Less Uh, is more. Right. It's not about just building up more and more possessions as though getting stuff is the way to the good life. It's not about that at all. Often having less but storing up treasures in heaven is better. So the second thing we learn is stress is bad. So let's say that one together. Stress Stress is bad. bad. Often money can cause us anxiety, can cause us to worry. We can start not trusting God because money has consumed this big bit of our mind. So that's what we talked about there. And then we said, well, giving is good. So let's say that one. Giving Giving is good. And the idea there, God gave his only son. God so loved the world he gave, and he calls us now. Freely we've received, so freely we give. He calls us to a generous life. And today we're finishing the series with one that we're calling Tomorrow Matters. Let's say this one. Tomorrow Matters. Now, the idea of this one is this, right? Where you are today financially is the consequence of choices that past you has made. So you, yesterday, last week, last month, last year, has done stuff with your money that's made things either better or worse for you today. And so we're going to think about how present you, how you in the here and now can affect things for future you, tomorrow's you. The choices you make today can help or can hinder. I want to just illustrate this a little bit. Now, I brought with me a big wad of cash, okay? I'm going to start giving some of it out, okay? Oh, Tommy's excited. You're going to get some of that. Let me show you my cash, right? You didn't expect it to be real money, did you? So, I'm going to have three people. Now, this guy here, Tommy, is rich. You're loaded. You're earning plenty of cash, right? So, you've got some of these big ones. 
we don't all have the same level of income. We're not all starting from the same place. We're not seeing that at all. We know it's different for different ones. Some have different jobs, different wages, different benefits, whatever it may be. So, uh, Adam here, you're not as well off as Tommy. So, you, you can have some of these ones. There you go. And then, do you want to be in the middle? Somewhere in between, not the super rich end, not the super poor end. So, I'll give you some of these ones. There you go. Right. Now, imagine Tommy, he's loaded. He's coming with all his money and he thinks, well, I've got plenty. So I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to buy myself a nice, fancy new car. So that costs some money. Can I have some money for your car? It costs more than that. Give us a few of them. 2000 There we go. He also takes himself on a big, fancy holiday. He has a few days out with his friends, some evenings out. In fact, he spends a lot on one thing or another. Tommy. Yeah. <laughs> Adam here is a bit smarter. Like, he, he hasn't got as much, and he pays his bills, he, he does his food shop, and also he treats himself to a night out with some friends, but he owes some back as well, thinking, actually, I don't know what next week's got in store, so I'm not going to do what Tommy did and just blow the lot. I'm just going to be a bit more sensible, keep some money. So you spend some, but keep a bit back. There we go. Now, here we're doing even worse, because you, you decide, you look at Tommy's lifestyle, you think, well... I want that car, I want that holiday, I want to do all that, so I'm going to have it. So you buy all the same things, thank you very much. Keep coming, keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. So what you do is you take a loan out. What you do is you, you spend money that you haven't got. Right, three people here, all made different choices today. We don't know what next week's going to come. We don't know whether uh, the wages will be uh, still there. We don't know whether jobs will be lost. We don't know whether energy bills will go through the roof. Mortgage payments will go up. Who's set themselves up well for next week? Adam. Who's set themselves up not so well for next week? Yeah, Peter. And Tommy? In the middle? Not, not in a good position, are you? Because if you don't get the money in, what are you going to do? The choices we make today affect the opportunities we have tomorrow. Now, the way I'm going to show you this from the Bible is looking at a story of a guy called Joseph. Now, Joseph was one of the, the fathers of the, the nation of Israel. Uh, and what he did is he had 12 brothers. He was the favourite. His dad gave him a really fancy coat, you know, the Technicolor dream coat. And all the other brothers were jealous that he was the favourite. Now, because he was the favourite, and he was a bit mouthy, and he liked playing up to it, he loved winding his brothers up, and they decided they were going to kill him. Now, in the end, they backed down from killing him. They sold him to be a slave in Egypt. And then he got accused of something he didn't do, and he got put in prison. While he was in prison, he met a couple of chaps who used to work for the king. And these chaps had dreams. Now, Joseph had this special gift from God where he could hear a dream that someone had had and he knew what it meant. He knew what God was saying in the dream and he told them what their dreams meant. Well, one of them got out of prison, got his job back with the king and then the king, the pharaoh he was called, had a dream of his own. And this bloke who'd been with Joseph in prison was like, hang on a sec, you've had a dream I met a guy in prison who could tell you what your dream meant. And so they called for him. They brought him up out of prison to stand before the Pharaoh. And the Pharaoh told him about his dream. Actually, he'd had two dreams on the same night. One of them was about some ears of corn. And there were seven of them that were really kind of big, fat 
ears of corn, and seven really spindly ones came, and they ate the fat ones. And then the other one was a similar thing with cows, which I didn't know cows were your favourite animal. It's like we, we planned it, but we've got some cows uh, in the dream. And again, seven big fat ones come, and then seven little thin ones come, and the seven thin ones eat the fat ones. That was what the dream was. And then Joseph had to interpret and say, this is what God is telling you through that dream. So we pick up the story in Genesis chapter 41. I'm going to read from verse 25 onwards. And I'll read for a bit just to give us a feel of what Joseph said to the Pharaoh. So verse 25. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh's dreams are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years. The seven good ears are seven years. The dreams are one. The seven lean and ugly cows that came up after them are seven years, as are the seven empty ears blighted by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. It's as I told Pharaoh, God has shown to Pharaoh what he's about to do. There will come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt. After them will arise seven years of famine and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. The famine will consume the land. The plenty will no longer be known in the land because of the famine that will follow, for it will be very grievous. And the doubling of Pharaoh's dream means that the thing is fixed by God, and God will shortly bring it about. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh select a man who's discerning and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers on the land and take one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt during the seven plenteous years. Let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming and lay up grain under the authority of Pharaoh for food in the cities and let them keep it. That food shall be a reserve for the land against the seven years of famine that are to befall the land of Egypt. So the land may not perish through the famine. Here's the first thing we need to know when we read a story like that. The future, tomorrow, is in God's hands. He's in charge. He's in control. That's what the dream tells us, isn't it? That some stuff was going to happen, but God already knew about it. God was in charge of it. God was able to speak into what would happen in the future. That means when I think about my future, when I start to worry, does anyone else worry about what might happen? You know, you, you worry about your money, you worry about your health, you worry about your job, you worry about your family. Whatever you worry about, we can know this. All of it is in God's hands. All of it he has control over. All of it he's intimately involved with and he cares about. If I don't know that, if I don't get that God's in charge of the future that it does bad things to my mind. It makes me stressed. It makes me use my money in some really weird ways. For instance, right, what it might do, if I don't know that God's in charge of the future, is I might be getting my money and I might be hoarding it over here and put some more in and put some more in and put some more in. I'm not able to enjoy now because I'm so worried. I've got to build up as much as I can thinking that tomorrow will only be okay if I get a massive rainy day fund, if I get something set aside that can, uh, that can keep me under control no matter what 
happens. And all of a sudden, I've stopped trusting God and I've started trusting my bank account. It's like where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Well, what happens is my heart is in my bank account with all these savings that I've hoarded up. That's one way I might go when I don't get that God's got the future. The other thing I might do is I just push it down. I can't face it. I can't think about tomorrow. It's too stressful to worry about. But I do have some money. Well, I might as well enjoy it now because that's all there is. I might as well buy my fancy car, my fancy holiday. I might as well spend it all on going out and takeaways or whatever it is that I'm into. I might as well do that with my money because I can't face tomorrow. But when, when I know that the future matters, it's important, but God's got it, I don't need to worry. I don't need to stress. And I can start thinking about the money I have today in a sensible way. I can think, well, I can be generous. I can give. I can put some aside. I can prepare for what might come. I can enjoy myself a bit as well. I can have a balanced, godly approach to how I use my money. One of the verses I've discovered quite recently that's become a bit of a favourite for me is Psalm 112, verses 6 and 7. Uh, And this is from the New International Version. I love the way it's phrased. It says, surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. I love that little turn of phrase. They have no fear of bad news. Anyone ever have a fear of bad news? I do this, right? It convicted me. It challenged me. Like I take my car in for an MOT and then I'm sitting by the phone all day and I have fear of bad news. I'm going to get that call and they're going to have to do work on it and it's going to cost me a lot of money. And I'm stressed. I'm fearing the bad news. Or I've applied for a job and it's going to be a good job. It's some work that I want. And then I'm fearing, what if I don't get it? What if this doesn't come through for me? What if I don't get this opportunity? What if I lose my job? What if my mortgage payment goes up? What if the bills go through the roof? What if I can't afford the things I want? What if, what if, what if? I start to catastrophize when it comes to my finance. Why? Because I'm afraid of bad news. But the psalm says, they have no fear of bad news. And that only comes when you know that God is in charge of the future. And knowing that it's in God's hands, it makes such a difference because you've got to understand God's heart. What does God reveal himself to be? He's a father. He's a provider. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's not like just looking at our future thinking, well, it's just there and you all have to deal with it. He cares. He's intimately involved. He will take care of us. Tomorrow he's in his hands and that's good because he is good and he loves us says in Matthew 6 look at the birds of the air they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them are you not much more valuable than they doesn't he care about you see how he feeds the birds see how he clothes the flowers isn't your tomorrow going to be okay because your tomorrow is in God's hands that's what the bible teaches now today we're talking about the idea of saving our money And the Bible, as we read through it, has some really positive things to say about saving. And uh, the story of Joseph is one of them. But it also has a few warnings as well. It tells us uh, saving is good. But it also says, beware, watch out. There are some pitfalls when it comes to saving. There's a way of saving that is preparing wisely for tomorrow. And there's a way of saving that says, I don't trust God with tomorrow. So I've got to take it under my own control. When we do that, it's toxic. It, It shrivels up the heart. We stop having faith and our money becomes this little 
idle. Let's not do that, but let's be diligent. So what, what else do we learn from the Joseph story? Well, here's what we learn. We learn that there will be some fat cow years and there will be some thin cow years. And that's what he said, doesn't it? The, the fat cow years are the times of plenty. Everyone will have times of plenty and everyone will have times of lack. You're going to have times that you're more well off and times that you're less well off. Now, Pharaoh got really specific details. He was told, you'll have seven years and then seven years. Most of us don't get it spelled out in advance exactly how long of each we're getting and when they will be, but we'll all have them. And it won't necessarily be the same for you as it is for the person sitting next to you. Your fat cow years might be fatter than theirs or thinner than theirs. Their thin cow years may be fatter or thinner than yours. It's not that we all have exactly the same amount of money, but relatively speaking, for for each of us, there'll be times that we have plenty and there'll be times that we have lack. And we don't know the future, but we can predict some things just using a bit of common sense. Think about the seasons of life that you go through. Now, I know it's not the same for everyone. I know unique circumstances make it different. So it might not fit exactly like this for you. But some seasons of life feel more fat cow. I remember for us, when when we first got married, we had one set of bills, two incomes, no kids to spend money on. That was a fat cow season. It was a time of plenty. Financially, we were doing pretty well at that moment in life. I hear from people that sometimes when kids have left home and you're in an empty nest phase, that can have some similar dynamics to it. On the other hand, I remember when I was a student, I didn't have as much, did I? So that was a a thin cow season. I had to approach things differently. All those early years with little kids and having to step back from working as many hours and the amount of bills was increasing, that was a bit more thin cow. Or retirement can be a thin cow season when you're not getting the same income levels. Another thing that affects is the big expenses. Sometimes you're going for a certain thing financially, and it means that in the rest of life, you have to tighten your belt. You have to make it a bit more thin cow. Maybe you know what it's like to to save for a deposit on a house, and you're having to go after that. And so the rest of life, you treat it as thin cow, or you're trying to start a business. You've not got the income in yet. That could be a thin cow season, or you're paying your kids through university, or whatever it might be. Sometimes it's unexpected stuff that comes up. Maybe when you lose your job, you weren't planning to, you didn't see it coming, but you don't have a job anymore. You're thrust into a thin cow season, or maybe you've struggled to get a job for a while. Maybe a relative becomes sick and you have to start being a full-time carer for them. That makes it a thin cow season, doesn't it? Maybe the bank goes bust and wipes out your savings or your pension fund or something like that. World events can have an effect. We hear about the way the war puts all our bills up. When it was the credit crunch a few years ago, that affected all of us. Right. On the other hand, you can get unexpected stuff that puts you into a fat cow season. Maybe you inherit some money. Maybe you're given a gift or you get a big tax rebate or something like that. There are all sorts of things that can affect it. Maybe it's choice. I've done this and I know others have done this as well. You step back from an opportunity that was well paid to go after something that you think God's calling you to do. You're following God's voice. You're going after a different lifestyle. Maybe it's more thin cow because you're going after mission and ministry and you're doing something. That's a good thing to do. There are promises of blessing as you do that. 
But what we know is that all of us are going to experience both times of plenty and times of lack. Now, some of you, as you hear this, you'll be thinking that right now is a thin cow moment for you. You'll be thinking, I recognise that. I, I see in my own circumstances, stuff is a struggle, more of a struggle than it typically is, more, more of a struggle than I usually walk through due to some circumstances in life. And if you're in that place right now, what you need to know is the thin cow years won't last forever. Some of you, you might be feeling, actually, now's a bit of a fat cow year for me. Now, uh, I might not be loaded, but compared to other moments in my life, I'm doing okay at the moment. Finances are, uh, are fine. If you're in a fat cow year, you need to know the same thing. That won't last forever either. There'll be both. There's a fluctuation. There's times of plenty and there's times of not so much. So what do we do? What's the plan when we recognise that there, there are these different seasons in our lives? Well, Joseph's plan was to use the fat cow years to prepare and get ready for the thin cow years. He said to the Pharaoh, okay, these times of lack are coming. Let's use the times of plenty and let's put some stuff aside so that when the times of lack come, that we don't have nothing, that we're prepared, that we're ready, that we've got something we can use. And he did it on a state level. This was the nation of Egypt providing for its people. And we can talk about states and taxation and all of that. But I want to use it as an illustration for our own personal or family finances as well, because the same principles apply. During the fat cow years, we prepare for the thin cow years. I mean, imagine I was to say to you, right, what I'm going to do this evening is I'm going to order you a massive Deliveroo takeaway. I'll get you uh, a main course, I'll get you a starter, I'll get you a dessert, I'll get you four sides, I'll get you a bottle of drink, you'll have loads. And then tomorrow, I'm going to do you the same thing, I'm going to get you another one. And then on Tuesday, I'm going to get you another one. And then for the rest of the week, nothing. You're going to have no other access to food for the week. Now, if you're smart, what you're going to do is say, right, I best not eat these three massive takeaways all in one go and then be left with nothing. If you're smart, what you're going to say is, yeah, I'll have a bit. I'll have enough to, to fill me today. But I'm going to put some aside and make sure there's some left for the other days. That was Joseph's plan for these years of plenty and these years of lack. When it comes to our money, then, the principle is where we can, we put some money aside. We save some for the future. In Proverbs 21, it says, Precious treasure remains in the house of the wise, but the fool devours it. So what he's saying is for, for the wise person, they keep back some of what they've earned. They hold on to it for a different day, whereas the fool just devours it, just eats, just spends, just squanders what they've got as soon as as they get it. Another verse from Proverbs that's relevant is Proverbs 6 that says, go to the ant, you lazy bones, consider its ways and be wise. Without having any chief or officer or ruler, it prepares its food in summer and it gathers its sustenance in harvest. It said, look, here's what the ant does. When it's plenty, when it's a time of summer and harvest, it'll get loads of food and then it'll be ready in the winter, when there isn't as much food, it stores up, it saves for the thin cow years. There are three good reasons why we might want to do this. So the first one is it just prepares us. It makes us ready for both the expected and the unexpected expenses that might come. Expected things might be, 
hey, you know, Christmas is coming. It comes every year. Many of us spend more money at Christmas than at other times. We're buying presents. Maybe we're traveling to see people. You know, right, this is the amount of money I'm going to end up spending. Right, I'd best put some aside. I'd best prepare for that in the rest of the year so it doesn't all hit me in one go. Preparation. But also the unexpected stuff. So two weeks ago, uh, I, I walked into the house and uh, Emma had put the washing machine on before she left. And I came in and I was hearing this awful noise like clunk, clunk, clunk from my washing machine. It's dead. We can't use it anymore. That's not in our budget. That wasn't a thing we planned for. Now, thankfully, because we'd been able to apply some of these ideas, we had a bit of money in a savings account. OK, we can sort our washing machine. We're not totally stuck. Unexpected things come up. Preparing for tomorrow helps. So that's one reason. A second reason why doing this is useful is something called compound interest. And that is the magic beans of finance. I'm not going to go into all the ins and outs of how it works. But basically, it means that if you've got money, you get more money. So you put your money into a savings account, and then you get interest, which means they give you more money. And then you get interest on your interest, so you get even more money. And it builds, and it builds, and it builds. Debt works exactly the opposite way. So you owe them money, and then they add the interest onto what you owe them, and you pay them more and more and more. And you pay tons more than you ever borrowed in the first place. That's how it all works. That's how they make their money off you when you're in debt. But if you're saving, you get this working for you, and your money becomes worth more. But the third reason, and I think this is just a really important one, is being prepared for tomorrow opens the door to be generous to other people. Notice this is something that they all did together. It wasn't just that the rich farmers in Egypt were able to save for themselves for tomorrow. They were able to save up so the whole nation and people in poverty around them could all be blessed. Saving allows us to be a blessing. One of my favourite chapters in the Bible is Romans 16. Now, when you're reading Romans, you think you've got through all the good stuff. And Romans 16 is just the list of personal greetings. I think it's a beautiful chapter. It's a chapter about all the people who Paul knew who were helping him with his mission around the Mediterranean to start new churches, to see Jesus proclaimed. I just want to share the first few verses of it. He says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe. By the way, Phoebe is one of the real underrated stars of the New Testament. She's a brilliant, brilliant person. Dig into her a bit. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church at Kentray, so that you may welcome her in the Lord as is fitting for the saints. Help her in whatever she may require from you, for she's been a benefactor of many and of myself as well. You see, Phoebe had stored up money. She'd saved. She'd done whatever she needed to do. And so she could be a benefactor of Paul and of many others. She was able to fund his mission and the mission of others to make Jesus known. Why? Because she'd saved. And then he goes on to say, Greet Prisca and Aquila, who work with me in Christ Jesus, and who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Greet also the church in their house. They had a church that met in their house. So they'd bought a house. Now, I'm sure you know, buying a house, it's not cheap now. It wasn't cheap then. If you want a house, you have to save up. You have to manage your money in a certain way. They bought a house with a room big enough for the whole church to meet. So I think if we were gathered in someone's home, well, they'd saved up to allow this to happen and to be a community, to be a blessing in there. Both Phoebe and Prisca and Aquila had used their savings, not just for their own benefit and security, but to 
further God's mission, to help God's people. So should we be saving money? That's my question this morning. Well, only you know your financial situation. Only you know what you can afford. Only you know whether you're in a fat cow or a thin cow season today. But what I try to do, this is just how I apply this, I always try as much as possible to treat today as the fat cow year. Because I don't know what tomorrow will be. I don't know, maybe next year will be thinner than this one. So to the extent I can, I want to treat now like it's the fat cow to prepare me for the thin cow that may be coming. Where possible, lay a little aside to prepare your own future and give you the scope to bless others. That's a wise and a godly thing to do. And then what happens, this is like the final bit then. In the thin cow years, they use what they've stored up. In verses 56 and 57, it describes it. Since the famine had spread over all the land, Joseph opened all the storehouses He sold to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. And moreover, all the world came to Joseph in Egypt to buy grain, because the famine became severe throughout the world. Because they'd stored up in the fat cow years, they could use it in the thin cow years, and they were fine. They got through those years. I think the principle here that we need to get is the difference between saving and hoarding. Jesus tells the story of a man who just hoarded. He built bigger and bigger barns. He saved more and more and more. And that was where his security was. That's what made him think the future's okay. That's not what we're talking about. That's not the biblical, it's not the godly approach to money, just to hoard up and put our trust in our money. But saving is a different thing. This is godly wisdom. It's trusting God for the future and trying to be diligent in preparing. And the difference between the two is all in the heart. It's all in how you're approaching it. It's all in what you're worshipping, what you're trusting. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So what have we learned over these four weeks? We've learned that money is something that you can use as part of being a disciple of Jesus. That if, if he's your treasure, if he has your heart, then your money points in that direction. We've learned that less is more. We've learned that stress is bad. We've learned that giving is good, and we've learned that tomorrow matters. The idea of it all has been to to try and instill in us as a church a sense of vision for our money. I don't know if you do this. I've noticed it's something that a lot of us do. It's like we have two sections of our mind. So one bit is the faith bit. It's the I'm going after God. I'm living all my life for Jesus bit. And then there's the money bit, and it's like the spreadsheets and the budgeting and the practical. I'm going to do life here. Uh, and the two kind of, they, they talk to each other. Like every now and then we might like put something in the pot that goes round or set up our direct debit. And it's like we're making our payment from this side of our head to that side of our head. And so, okay, this bit, it largely remains untouched, but I best pay my dues to the God bit by putting a little bit of giving in there once in a while. What I want you to see, what I want all of us to see is that it doesn't work. There's no division. There's just one pot. There's just one pot of money. It's all of it is for God. All our life, all our heart, everything we have, everything we are is part of following him. And so using our money in a way that honors him. Yes, giving, but saving, preparing, not idolizing, not spending too much, not being stressed about it, trusting him. All is part of the same thing. All of it is part of being a disciple. All of it is worship and all of it is for him.